the sky was bright blue, crisp and clear overhead. The tan cobblestones were smooth underfoot as I walked an outdoor labyrinth some months back. I had not had any intention of walking a labyrinth that day, but had stumbled across it and felt drawn to the meditative prayer it invited. In case you're not familiar, a labyrinth is simply a path, typically circular in nature, that winds around back and forth until you arrive at its center. And then you follow the same path back out. People use them in all sorts of ways. I find that praying with my body, focusing on my steps, helps me to connect at a deeper spiritual level than my noisy analytical brain typically allows. So I walked a step at a time. Part way in, I became aware of others walking the labyrinth with me. Priests from my childhood, Jim, Tom, Carl, and others, they were gathered around, coming alongside and behind me. These men have been dead for many years. But their presence was undeniable. I could not touch them or see their faces. It was almost like having something in your peripheral vision or the way you can suddenly become aware of someone's attention on you. I felt remarkably clear simply that they were present. As I was growing up in the Roman Catholic Church, these priests gave me a spiritual grounding. They formed and shaped me, helped me to know Christ's presence in tangible ways. And because that church does not ordain women, I could not live out what I now understand to be my vocation within the bounds of the tradition that raised me. Alongside admiration and love and gratitude for them, I have carried anger and guilt and hurt. I had long since tucked all that away, noting with sadness that it was just a part of me that would always be broken. Jim and Tom and Carl and I had a conversation on the labyrinth that day. 
We connected on a level deeper than denominational differences, grounded in a shared identity in Christ. I received a blessing, and I was able to offer forgiveness. As I made my way back out, I realized that I felt lighter. I had been healed in a way that I did not even know was possible. In the mystery of that communion, I became more whole. Some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, come to ask Jesus a question. And much like the story just before this in Luke, where religious leaders had tried to trap Jesus, asking him whether or not it was lawful to pay taxes to the emperor, this too seems like a setup, a way to expose his teachings as irrational at best. So they depict a scenario in which a woman is passed from father to husband to husband's brother to the next brother and so on down to the seventh brother, describing a system in which it makes sense to ask the question, whose will she be? They are not alone in this, by the way. Wondering who a woman belongs to is not limited to a different time or another culture. The answer they receive is apparently nothing like what they expect. Those who are considered worthy of a place in that age and in the resurrection from the dead, neither marry nor are given in marriage. I don't think that Jesus is opposed to marriage. Elsewhere in scripture, he lifts it up as good and holy. Rather, it is systems that objectify or devalue the children of God that do not continue into the age to come. Thanks be to God. Now, if we can, and I know that this will be hard for some of us, but for a moment, set aside the misogynistic nature of their example, we can look at the question beneath it, which is something like, this stuff about eternal life is too absurd there are so many practicalities we cannot wrap our heads around. How are we to believe that resurrection from the dead is real? How are we to believe that resurrection from the dead is real? That, I think, is a question we still wrestle with today. As much as we desperately wish he would, or really think he ought to, Jesus does not. 
explain how this happens. Instead, he gives the Sadducees and us the answer that the dead are raised and that the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob is God not of the dead, but of the living. We are invited to lean into the mystery that in God, all of them are alive. The institutions we think are important fall away in light of deeper truths. We follow a God who insists that there is life after death. A God in whom we, along with those who have died, are held together. One body, one communion of saints. Later that evening, after having walked the labyrinth, I was talking about it with a friend of mine who's a priest up in Portland. I said, Bonnie, I had this encounter, and I told her a bit about the exchange, and then I said, but I'm starting to think that maybe I imagined it. Or, I don't know, maybe I'm going crazy. So quickly, I began to doubt my own experience that had felt profoundly meaningful just hours before. Bonnie looked at me and said, very matter-of-factly, that was real. I knew the way you just know the truth in your gut that she was right. I profess, along with many of you, just last week as we baptized new members into this body, I professed that I believe in the communion of saints, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. And I do. But, wow, it is one thing to hold a theological conviction and quite another to find yourself wrapped in a cloud of witnesses. The God of Jim, the God of Tom, and the God of Carl is God not of the dead, but of the living. I cannot begin to explain how this is so. But as I looked at the pillars of this church, at the faces of those who have died, whom we love dearly and see no longer, I am convinced that they are alive to God and that they continue to journey with us. I need a community to remind me that it is real, that resurrection happens, 
We have a lot of work to do after encountering it, discerning how we are then to live in light of this truth. And I think it helps from time to time to make space to rest in the mystery, to find where healing or wholeness might yet be possible. In my experience, it is often in these thin places of meditative prayer or the anniversary of a death or this month where we hold collective practices of remembering where we can come close to a truth that is beyond explanation. New life comes as reconciliation or closure or release. Brokenness in our systems, in our relationships, in ourselves does not get the last word. Thanks be to God for the communion of saints surrounding us, walking with us, and leading us into the resurrection. <laughs>